Nation, speaking to us from Edmonton and Alberta, Canada. To see part one of Hi, my name is Kevin, and back in the 80s, I used to hang around CFRU all the time. Anyone can volunteer here. Just email volunteer at CFRU.ca or visit CFRU.ca for more information. Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. on CFRU 93.3. Radio for the young and the young at home. It's a kid's show, ding dong! <laughs> this week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Shadow States, Politics on Film with George Pevere, RBG, Back to Burgundy, Why We Cycle, A Quiet Place, Indian Horse, Eye on Juliet, and First Reformed. And at the EWAR on the 21st is RuPaul's Drag Race, and on the 22nd is Femme Rebelle Burlesque. And at the bookstore on the 24th is a book launch for Kathy Goody's Rub It In. The Bookshelf is an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, movie theater, and restaurant located at 41 Quebec Street. For more info about the Bookshelf's hours, listings, blogs, directions, accessibility, and to order books from their online store from anywhere in the world, please visit bookshelf.ca. As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. On today's episode of Android's Dungeon, super exclusive interview semi live from E3 we have our man on the ground confirmed friend of the show Alex to talk about what went on and then maybe there will be some talk about other things as well who knows stay tuned Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario, Canada. Android's Dungeon is a show about games, music, movies, whatever we feel like. I am Jack. I'm Joel. And who do we have on the line here? My name is Alex. I, uh, friend of the show. (laughs) Confirmed friend of the show, now that you're actually on the show. Because there are a lot of people that pretend to be friends, and then when you need them... (laughs) They don't come. They don't. They don't play ball. Where are you? <laughs> you can tell uh, Alex's excellent diction uh, and just uh, tone on the phone is uh, because he's a professional phone speaker. Is that right, Alex? Uh, it is my day job. Yeah, I do talk on the phone quite a bit. But good thing you're not in uh, Guelph, Ontario, nearby, doing your job because you're clearly calling us from uh, Los Angeles, California. Uh, home of right. the Angels. <laughs> sunny, sunny L.A. Yeah, what's it like down there? I haven't seen a cloud all week. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there, I don't know if I've said this before on the show, but there used to be uh, this 
there's this indie rock radio station in uh, L.A. that uh, I think Timothy Oliphant used to do a show on. I don't know if he was big at that point or not. Probably not. <laughs> but he he would host it, and they would call David Lynch, and he would do a weather report for them. <laughs> but the David Win- Lynch weather report was just him looking outside where he is at the moment and telling you what the weather was like. <laughs> so there's not really a forecast, but it was literally a weather report. But that's uh, my interpretation of L.A. I thought L.A. was just this per perpetual smog cloud yeah it's an some dennis miller described it as the ashtray of the earth in uh, <laughs> one of his books but shanghai of california shanghai oh man but uh no the main reason we're speaking with our, our confirmed friend of the show alex here is that he uh well no i'm not going to jump all over this alex where where are you right this second i am in downtown los angeles near the convention center uh hanging around a bunch of video games and video game people at e3 Oh, (laughs) (laughs) E3. What does that stand for, Alex? The Electronic Entertainment Expo. Excellent. So we talked about this a little bit. In fact, I think we've probably talked about it for two weeks on the show now that I think about it. Uh, It it is the the biggest show, I'd say in the world, but definitely North America or in the West for Vidya, Vidya Gaming. And uh, we are fortunate enough to have a man on the ground here to tell us about his impressions of it, something that all of us, I think, at one point have dreamed about going to E3. Uh, Alex, be honest, is it as good as all of us thought? So, let me get <laughs> started with the, <laughs> the reality of E3, okay. uh, because it is as good as, it is as, good as oh, there we you go. think it is. You, yes, you get there, the and it's kind yeah. of... There's a feeling of you've arrived. You're now, you know, you have every game in the world that's not out yet laid out in front of you. You can, you know, play whatever you want. You can, you know, you're going to run into some famous people. You're going to run into people you might recognize from the internet. Uh, so it is very... As long as they don't uh, recognize me, that's all. That's <laughs> uh, it's very exciting. Uh, the reality of it is you're also going to be waiting in line a lot. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a very crowded place. Uh, there's a lot of people running around. It's very hectic. Uh, but uh, this is my fifth E3, and uh, I yes. love it, and I will keep going back for as long as they let me in the doors. Uh, wow. But it is uh, it is an exhausting, exhilarating time. I know it's not really that kind of convention, but how, what percentage do you think of people were dressed up? Mm, good question. Oh, I can count on one hand the amount of people that were dressed up. Oh I saw four cosplayers while I was four. there. Four? Well, that, yep. it, I think that's cheesy. It's not a cosplaying thing, and, it, no, it, and showing up dressed up like Mario or something maybe is amusing to your buddy, but <laughs> it, it's kind of tacky. Yeah. But when you say dressed up, Joel, I, the first thing I thought of were people actually wearing proper clothes, <laughs> not yeah. just like cos- fancy clothing. <laughs> well, not fancy, but like you I mean, mean, they weren't stone. They weren't like a schlub, dirty T-shirt with some ketchup <laughs> on it, <laughs> some Star Wars uh, paraphernalia on. It. I don't know. <laughs> That's why I was confused when yeah. Alex said kind of one hand. The audience <laughs> needs to know that when I dress up, it means there's no ketchup on my shirt. <laughs> Speaking of ketchup on shirts, let's get some logistical things out of the way. What was the food like? Where did you eat? Um, so the food at the convention center is terribly overpriced. I paid $13 for a can of beer. <laughs> uh, wait, 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 wait. What kind of beer? Don't say Budweiser. Uh, Heineken. Oh, if only I had my blue velvet uh, clip played up. Well, I think I need to become like a a contraband beer dealer at uh, E3 from now on. <laughs> yeah, sell them for sell eight them bucks. For only eight, yeah. <laughs> Make a tiny profit. And that's especially uh, egregious in the States, too, where a beer is ridiculously cheap. But sorry, go right. on. Oh, no, I mean, that's what we were expecting. We were expecting, you know, 
cheap food. I mean, not nothing great, but like we were expecting to be able to afford to eat. Yeah. Uh, but you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also no grocery stores in Los Angeles. They can't find them anywhere. Okay. Uh, so, uh, but uh, the food we did eat uh, from the convention center mostly hot dogs and burgers that were you know six seven dollars US each. <laughs> uh, so, uh, definitely tried to you know avoid that. We had Domino's on speed dial by the end of the end of the. Are they doing fifty percent of off in uh, California? Yeah. <laughs> Universal. Universal. All right, so now that the boring food stuff is out of the way, um, tell us about the convention. Break it down. How long were you there for? Who did you see? Which big events did you sit in on? Give it to us. Sure. So um, we were there for um, five days. Uh, so we arrived a bit before the show actually got started or got rolling uh, just to sort of make sure we didn't miss any of the press conferences, which typically happen before the show floor is open. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we actually were invited to the PC gaming show one, uh, which is a lot more entertaining live uh, than it is to watch on TV or online. Uh, but um, <clears throat> so we did all the press conference stuff, uh, made sure those were covered. And then uh, the show floor itself is three days. Uh, so the way the convention center in California is broken down. So there's two ma- big halls. Uh, so there's the South Hall and the West Hall. Um, in the West Hall is where basically you have Sony and Micro, or sorry, Sony and Nintendo have their massive booths there, and then ev- almost everyone else is in the other hall just because those two companies take up most of the the space. So a lot of it is going back and forth between the halls, making sure you get you know hands-on time with everything that uh, that you can. Um, so yeah, it's just a lot of you know going from booth to booth, jumping around and you know trying games and sometimes waiting in line. Uh, so. Uh, I was I was covering it as a member of the press, a distinguished member of the press. Uh, so, but even then, there's still a lot of line representing waiting and Android's kind of dungeon, jumping right? around. <laughs> what did you say, uh, Joe? Representing Android's dungeon as a member. Yeah, of the that's press. right. We 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 paid yeah, all we, of his oh, yeah, fully funded this event. for the badge. Yeah. Uh, Alex, right. if you say you decided to play one of these hot new games, the ones that are pre-release and they're only available at E3, uh, say for example, Smash Brothers. Um, mm-hmm. How long would you have to wait to actually get your hands on it? Um, so Smash Brothers, as an example, um, Nintendo actually had a ticketing system. It was the only, I'm, hmm. like I said, I've been to E3 five times. I've never seen anyone actually implement a ticketing system before. That's pretty cool. Uh, so that that one, you wouldn't wait more than half an hour to play. You play a couple of matches and then move on. Uh, the longest line of the show was for um, Sony's Spider-Man game, uh, which people waited six hours in line. What? Why? Was it really? Was it really that good? I know people are hyped uh, for it, but it was. Yes, is it six hours? Especially when there's so much else to do. Yeah, no. There's there's some people who literally lined up as soon as the show opened, which is only open for six hours on most days. <laughs> That's half your uh, convention day. <laughs> it's like oh, I'm done. Done waiting for Spider Man. Time to go home. And, and sorry, going back Pretty to much. so yeah. maybe I jumped over you there, but so let's say I waited six hours to look at a, a shiny Spider Man game. How how long would I have to actually touch it? Uh, so Spider Man itself, the demo was thirty minutes long. Well, no wonder it uh, takes six hours. Yeah, Jeez. exactly. Uh, but uh, there are other games where the demo is as short as five minutes. So it it really is based on whatever game that you're playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I waited a bit to play the new Tomb Raider game, and the demo was over an hour long. Oh, well, that seems excessive. Did you feel yeah, like it, you... It was the entire first you better be tomb having fun. of the game, basically. Yeah. Well, was it fun? <laughs> it was fine. 
wasn't worth the wait that's what i'd like to hear that's the answer yeah. <laughs> all right so let's get into specifics here um I, i'm sure joel has questions about uh, something in particular so i'm not going to touch it what i will touch are two things that are very dear to my heart uh, hurt hurt i'm going to ask about the resident evil 2 remake did you get to play do you play the uh, the demo of it i did not I did not personally get hands-on time with it, but I did see a behind-the-scenes of uh, people playing it and kind of having a developer there walking a room full of people through the gameplay. So, did they have I the Japanese devs? Eyes-on eyes time with it. Did they have the Japanese devs, or did they have a, a white Sony guy talking you through it? <laughs> uh, they were uh, they were from Japan. <laughs> they were from Japan. Okay, it was a white guy from Japan, I guess. I don't know. A white guy from Japan. Yeah. yeah. And the second one, of course, is the big one that uh, it confuses everyone. And I've, I've, I was kind of going crazy the other day because I read something so insane, but it's like I could believe it. It's possible. Death Stranding. Uh, did were you there to watch it, and did you get to see anything special about it? Uh, Death Stranding was nowhere near E3. Uh, so they had it at their presentation, uh, Sony did, but they didn't have it playable at E3. There was no meeting for yeah, it or yeah. anything. You could not see anything about that game except a creepy Norman Reedus statue that they put up at their booth. <laughs> <laughs> did you get your picture with it? I did, I did get a picture with it. All right, well, we'll, we'll get that and pictures, put that on social media. Yeah, speaking of pictures, <laughs> did you get? tell me, are there any famous people that you took photos with? Uh, I met um, the voice of Mario. I met Charles Martinet, and hey. I got a picture taken with what him. What a nice guy. I've heard he's a, a, a pro, just a legit pro. You're a Nintendo oh, he, fan, he's right? He's a gem. A gem. Sorry, uh, Joel, what did you say? I was just asking, Alex, your main console would be Nintendo, right? Uh, Nintendo and PC are typically where I where you can find me playing, yeah. Nice. That was extra special for you, then. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I don't know anybody would want to meet Mario. <laughs> Although how many how many how many recordings does he really need to do? So he's like, boo, boo. ha! It's <laughs> a good question. Maybe not one for the show because no one can answer it. I guess <laughs> no one has any idea. All right, I'm getting to the big stuff now. So obviously, there's two games that were central on our radar, watching from home. Uh, one of them, obviously, we didn't get much information about except for that video. But I'm a recent convert to the Witcher series. And obviously, CD Projekt Red is so hot right now. Um, <laughs> so, uh, obviously, a, a lot of people talking about uh, Cyberpunk 2077, I assume? Yep. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, obviously, just a video. But uh, there was the opportunity for you to play Fallout 76. Was that right? Yep. Yeah, I uh, I tried out Fallout 76. Um, it's Fallout with other people. I really can't describe it as anything else. No, you've um, said enough, Alex. Don't worry. Yeah, it, f it feels like the general feeling was Fallout was much more accessible and a huge part of the convention, whereas Cyberpunk was much more desired. Like, they wanted more Cyberpunk, got more Fallout. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, that's exactly right. So CD Projekt Red, uh, since they only really do the one game every so often, don't actually have a booth that you can go visit them at. Uh, Cyberpunk was actually at the Microsoft. Um, oh, interesting. A Microsoft booth. And it wasn't playable unless you were very, very exclusive press, uh, which sadly I was not. Uh, Next but, year. Um, they really only let the, the big guys who I, I won't name in to play it. 
Um, but it's it, causing what, a bit of a controversy in that it's entirely first person. Now that's and what apparently I, people did not like that. I, I, I read that, and what, is that confirmed that it is one hundred percent first person, or is it one of these things where you can switch? I keep uh, I keep whistling by accent there. I apologize, but uh, where you can switch in between, uh, kind of like uh, Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah. Uh, so currently, the way it's built is entirely first person. You can't switch back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so CD Projekt Red has said that that's a stylistic choice and that it helps with their vision of the game. Uh, so I don't doesn't sound like they're going to be adding in an option to switch back and forth. They want this one to be purely first person. I'm fine with that. Yeah, for the record, I don't care. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back to Bethesda, though. Um, do you think that they're getting a little too prolific here? We're talking about releasing Starfield, announcing Starfield, uh, the next Elder Scrolls, and Fallout all in the same convention. Like you're talking about CD Projekt Red focusing on a single game. Well, that sounds pretty smart. Uh, what do you think about Bethesda releasing, like announcing and talking about four games all at once? So. I wasn't too surprised about Starfield. Actually, one of the uh, prediction pieces I wrote uh, a little while ago pre- predicted that Starfield would finally be shown. That game has been rumored for months now, and we basically we already knew it was coming. It was just time for them to show something. I was really surprised about Elder Scrolls Six, um, especially when they said that this it's coming out after Starfield, which they already said that Starfield is not coming out anytime soon. Uh, during their press conference, they even said that Starfield's in uh, development for next generation systems, mm. which aren't going to be 2019, so at least 2020. <laughs> uh, so to, yeah, I do find it very odd that Bethesda went so far in the future and announced something. Uh, we kind of run into the um, more Resident Evil 2 remake problem or Final Fantasy 7 remake problem where these games were announced years and years and years before uh, they're actually shown off and playable, and then people kind of either get frustrated with the wait or just have these expectations that are impossible to meet. I'm already reading some things online about Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six, where it, there's no way a game could be as big as you possibly could imagine it, and then you have years of this kind of hype building out of control, right? Yep. Yeah, I think, and also as a company, they're locking themselves in. They've they've committed themselves now to basically their next five six years of work right right yeah but there's also the side stuff too for example because they did announce uh some dlc for prey which i was telling joel about i really think it's an underrated little game there but the fact that they're still supporting it after the fact i thought was interesting but it's for me it's not the mainline bethesda stuff that interests me as much as the uh the partnerships so again with the going back to prey for example like their partnership with arcane as a publisher um it's those little ones that I think are are more intriguing to me because, frankly, I don't think Bethesda's put out anything in a long time that has really knocked me over. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and even then, it was just because, again, they were publishing it. Like New Vegas, mm-hmm. for example, is my favorite Fallout game of their um, their series. And what did they do? They just <laughs> had the cruddy little engine that caused the game to be a bu- buggy disaster. But <laughs> Alex, I was talking to you earlier, and they, they posted this joke video where... Uh, you know um the alexa yeah skyrim was on alexa because they p- keep posting it on different platforms but that's a real thing that is 100 percent real you can download the elder scrolls 5 very special edition on amazon alexa right now and play it if you want <laughs> have you done it i i have not i i am a google home mini <laughs> oh, google uh, so it's a, exclusive fanboy. to alexa is it <laughs> damn you bezos so let's get more subjective here. Uh, 
in your opinion, who, I'm not going to say one E3, but who do you think uh, really knocked you down personally as far as uh, taking the show over and really making it their own and building up the hype machine to unsustainable amounts that will inevitably crash down and cause the company to be cursed by people like me? Um, Microsoft. It's a straightforward answer from me. I think Microsoft, uh, especially during their press conference, just they showed off 50 games, 50 games that are coming within a fairly short amount of time. They had uh-huh. a bunch of surprises. Um, for me, they just they dominated E3 in terms of the discussion about it. And uh, no, it's uh, if you have an Xbox One, you are a very happy camper, I think, because there's just so much to play on that platform. And just uh, before we move on, um, how many people do you know that own Xbox One? Um, I own one. <laughs> if, that, if that counts. Oh, definitely. But there's one. So, but there's aside one. from you, how many people do you know? I, I, well, I don't know that many people who actually own one. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's PlayStation Four for the vast majority of my gamer circle. So it almost seems like Microsoft stuff. Sorry to stop, step over yep. you there, Joel, but it, it's closer to this crossover between the PC stuff because I think, especially with Windows 10, they're trying to push these Windows 10 exclusive games as well. So you end up with this sort of, um, I don't want to say cross-platform, but when they say it's an Xbox game, it's might as well be announcing it as a Windows 10 game as well. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So Microsoft's been very much pushing their, if a game is coming to Xbox One, it's also coming to PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've, they've been pushing that angle for a while now um i think the big difference and really i was having this discussion not too long ago with uh someone i was at e3 with is that microsoft just doesn't put a lot of time energy and investment into their first party games as sony does mm. um sony puts you know that that was their show this year they had their four first party games they blew them out of the water and microsoft had a lot of games but there are games that are also coming to playstation there are games that are also obviously on pc um, and their first-party games like Crackdown 3 and Forza Horizon 4 might be very good, but they don't really excite as much as The Last of Us 2 or Death Stranding. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, just on a related note, I, uh, the Xbox app is actually part of Windows 10 now, and you yep. can't remove it. What does it do? Uh, it allows you to record your games and then post them on YouTube. Okay, great. So it's like the like the sixth or the seventh three sixty uh, no scope <laughs> three sixty no scope. <laughs> All right. So we said the winner. Who was the loser for you? The loser of E three or the least. Let's let's not be as mean then. Let's just say more subjectively, who was the least interesting or showed up with a uh, whole lot of nothing? Yeah, or they're going to come after us. Oh, <laughs> it's an, well, probably not. Uh, Square Enix. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? We're famous. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. Yeah. Uh, no, Square Enix. Um, Square, interesting. Yeah, they they had no surprises. Um, I mean, it, they did announce a couple of new games, but they only showed kind of cinematic trailers, so we don't really have a good idea of where they're going with those. Uh, but um, no Final Fantasy VII remake uh, at all at E3 that a lot of people have been looking forward to since it was announced um, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so none of that. They showed Kingdom Hearts 3 almost so many times that it became boring. <laughs> uh, I think it was at, I think it was at least two or three press conferences that Kingdom Hearts 3 was there. Um, the hands-on demo was not all that interesting. It was a very straightforward to the point demo. 
for for that game and then they they had a big part of their show floor presence was on final fantasy 14 online which obviously is a game that came out a while ago it's an mmo so it's very specific who is interested in that um so no i didn't square enix usually has a really good presence and then this year it just seemed very they didn't have a lot to show um mm-hmm. and the one game that we all wanted to see from them they didn't bring so that was uh bit of a disappointment the kingdom hearts stuff is just fascinating to me because i i knew i've known one person in my entire life who loved those games and i remember he um a bit of a weeaboo type but he i remember he was trying to get me to play um the kingdom hearts series on the playstation and i started the first one and i was just i, I remember putting it down after an hour looking at myself wondering what, what am i doing here <laughs> and but it seems like the fans of these series are extremely um, they're into it. It, it. You put it out there, and this game is, I guess it's been a long time coming, but it seems like there's been so many spin-offs that maybe I'm just, or remakes or remasters, I don't know, I'm just, I can't follow the series whatsoever, but when it comes to the Square Enix RPGs, it, it just starts to blend in my mind. Like, I don't know what Final Fantasy we're up to right now between the MMOs and the the mainline series entries and whatnot, but how do you feel about Kingdom Hearts? I I have no strong feelings towards Kingdom Hearts <laughs> whatsoever. I know that's a very unpopular opinion, like you said, like their fans are just nuts for it. They they eat it up and they love it. And I mean, they that's great. I lo- like what you like. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but I like it's never really done anything for me. I played through one of the games and I was very indifferent to it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but Alex, you get to meet Elsa. Oh, that's right. you could get to meet Elsa. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> what more could you want in a video game? Trick a bunch of young girls into buying Kingdom Hearts, and then, <laughs> yeah. whoops, that's not what we expected. What's the Frozen game? Yeah. So we have E3. We have the winners and the losers. What, Ignoring the, the, the people that you think took home the conference, what was the game that you were most excited to actually uh, get a taste of and to follow up with that which one were you super disappointed with aside from Final Fantasy 7 which I don't even know if you care about that you didn't get to see so the the game I was most excited of and it's it's not a big game it's a game that was announced way before E3 mm-hmm. uh, but I've just always been a fan of this series and I was so excited to play it and uh, it lived up to all my hype is Mega Man 11 uh, that <laughs> nice. game is pure classic Mega Man. It looks different. It has a new flashy art style, but it is it plays just like the old games on the uh, the old Nintendo. Um, is it 3D? Mega Man 11 just blew me away. I could have played that demo all day, even though it was just one level. I just absolutely love that game. Yeah, is it a side-scroller or is it... Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a side-scroller. So it's the same. It's a classic Mega Man style. You're going through fighting a boss, getting its power, and using it to fight other bosses. So is it closer to Mega Man X style, or is it uh, the NES ones that you were mentioning before? But it's it's the NES one. So it has a new feature where you can uh, use uh, these gears to either slow down time or uh, supercharge your attacks. Mm-hmm. So it does have some kind of new elements to it, but it's very much based on the old uh, Mega Man uh, one through six on the NES. Cool. And which one did you not get to see that you were put out by? Um, there's, there's two games that really disappointed me. Um, one was the new Pokemon game, uh, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. Um, it's very basic. It is, because it, it takes it takes from Pokemon Go a lot, uh, that the capture mechanic is entirely Pokemon Go. You throw a Pokeball, there's no more fighting the Pokemon to weaken them and stuff like that. Um, but it's very, very, very 
just a remake of Pokemon Yellow. It doesn't really do Pokemon anything. Pokemon Yellow? When did that come out? 98? 99? Uh, 99. Wow. Wait, what a yep. strange choice. I think I played Red and Blue. Well, yeah, those are the ones everyone grew up with. And then Yellow, I remember, came out because the whole appeal of Yellow was you start with Pikachu, right? Pika. Right. Yeah. So yeah, this one, uh, there's two versions because you know money. Yeah. Um, of course. So uh, Pokemon Pikachu, you'll have Pikachu following you, and Aww. Eevee, you'll have Eevee following you. Is Eevee super popular? <laughs> Am um, I out of apparently, touch? Apparently, apparently Eevee is oh, very it's... popular as of late. Bizarre. Absolutely bizarre. Um, I know you don't have too much time left. Joel, do you have a question? Uh, no, I just wanted to make one more comment about E3. Apparently that uh, uh, Skyrim Alexa has uh, 85% five-star ratings on the <laughs> Amazon store. <laughs> game, of, game of the show? Yep. Did you, did you get to sit down and see the uh, Bethesda presentation? Um, no, I was not in person at that one, no. So you, I, you I, were not personally... Sorry, you were not personally called a degenerate by Todd Howard? No, I was not personally called a degenerate. I did not get to see Andrew W.K. awkwardly rock out uh, to a bunch of business people. Um, but uh, I do like Andrew W.K. It was just not a, a good place I have to nothing personal him. against Andrew W.K. He's a very talented musician. <laughs> well, excellent. Well, thank you for coming on the show, by the way. And oh, thank, you. Uh, thank you for your unique perspective on the show because it's something that... It occupies everyone's imagination for the five days, and even leading up to it, like you're saying, I, I know there's a there's a thread that I would follow. It's a countdown to E3, and everyone's just speculating like crazy, and yeah. everyone wants to see their favorite games there, and it's uh, will live up, and will the demos work and whatnot. But hopefully, the the big ones all live up to our expectations, and that we're still alive when Cyberpunk comes out. Absolutely, yeah. Alex. Hopefully. Before you go, uh, one last question: uh, Are you going back? Oh, absolutely. I'm already planning my next year trip. Nice. What's your website, Alex? My website and where you can find me is linkcable.com. So there's a dash in the middle, so link-cable.com. You can find us there. We post stuff every day. So uh, if you're ever interested in pretty much anything gaming, you can find it there. Bookmark it, folks. Turn off your ad blocker. Give them the clicks. Download whatever it is he's writing because he's putting it out there. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Alex. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks, Alex. Talk to you later. Bye. That was Alex. I'm not going to say his last name. Don't want to uh, potentially, uh, I don't want to say dox. That's such an overused word. But uh, friend of the show, confirmed friend of the show. Friend of the show. Live from E3, the electronic uh, expo. Speaking of friends of the show, we're talking about making a a friends of the show group. Yeah, so Joel, why don't you take it away here? Because I feel like you're a little more connected into this uh, well, uh, if you don't know something about Jack, I'll, I'll fill you in. He's not a fan of Facebook, and who is really anymore? It's it's really does it's anyone a, like maybe Facebook? it's a dying platform. No one can really tell because it's too big to go away. But it's too big to fail. I don't think it's growing. Could be. I mean, you're talking about billions of users. You're talking about maybe a sixth of the world using Facebook, and I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of dependencies on it now, especially in the third world. What's the number? Yeah, I guess maybe it's like one of these things that trickles down to eventually, but what's the number one thing you hear when, because I remember when I quit Facebook, the my first initial uh, worry about doing it was... Privacy? No, it was going to be... <laughs> privacy was part of it, but the reason why you can't quit 
I use I use it to talk to people. Oh, yeah, I use yeah. it to it's uh, a method meetings. Of method yeah. communica- it's not that you're you you like looking at what Joel Brewer is up to. No. It's that you you just like I oh I private message him or my auntie in Texas who I don't contact at all. Like I, that's the thing, and that's one of my favorite uh, things that Facebook did, and a lot of people hated it. But when they separated Messenger from Facebook. That was that was primo because then you can go on Messenger, you can communicate with your friends. You don't even need a Facebook account. You don't need to, you don't need to get that news feed, which is just spam. Like it's just the entire thing is. I haven't seen an original post. In, you know, you scroll down twenty posts or something, and they're all links to various websites of people trying to sell you something. So the reason we're bringing up Facebook is because. We have recently because we we love it. <laughs> we, we're we're huge fans. On, yeah, <laughs> we did not uh, buy we a bunch of shares. We're not saying <laughs> all these mean things about Facebook. We love Facebook. No, um, uh, somebody in uh, Guelph uh, who has a, a decent community behind him because he's a designer, and you know we've talked about him before. But Mark McKinnon has generously given up his dead um, Facebook group. Not dead yet. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna. We're going to get the defibrillators out and see what we can do. But uh, it's just like Golf Board battery. Gamers. Golf Board Gamers is the name on Facebook. And if you're listening to this, check it out. Uh, we're going to be probably posting little photos and videos of where we're going around playing games because that's always fun. Um, I'm, I'm currently reading through a, a, an article called How to Keep Your Facebook Group Active and Engaged. <laughs> and it seems kind of interesting. It's basically focusing more or less on uh, transparency and <laughs> frequency of posts. So, frequency uh, of posts. Pe- I guess. People want you to uh, be open and honest. We're not just going to post links to our radio show. That would, it would die so fast. What we want you to do, though, is join and talk about board games and yep. talk about uh, ask questions too. Because part of the reason why I feel like we we push this, or at least uh, this kind of started some interest, is Joel mentioned the other day that. Um, confirmed friend of the show, Harry, and some other people were asking Joel for recommendations on games and uh, some advice, or maybe just having some conversations about it. And it's like, why, why keep this just to Joel? Why keep it yeah. to private? Make this, make this a, a wider conversation, yeah. and uh, you can, you know, maybe meet up some friends, make some yeah. friends. And what you don't see in the background is that we don't just spend an hour a week talking about board games. We actually do it all the time, every day. And, uh, yeah, maybe we're tired of just talking to each other. <laughs> that's the, it's really just the cracks yeah. showing right there. So check us out. Uh, not us out specifically, but uh, we're there. Uh, the Guelph Board Game Group. Uh, give it a search. should be one of the first things that comes up. It's quite specific. And you can also follow us on Twitter at... Uh, uh, a, uh, Droid Dungeon Radio or Dunge- Android's Dungeon Radio on Twitter. I forget what it is exactly. And send us an email, droiddungeonradio at gmail.com. So lots of ways to contact us if you want to. And if you have any questions about anything you've heard or any complaints or death threats, go ahead. I can, I can take it. <laughs> yeah, because we're admins now. <laughs> I'll ban, we can block I'll ban you so fast. I'll block you. Uh, so we're going to take a quick commercial break of sorts, and uh, we'll be back after this. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to Android's Dungeon Radio on CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was the theme to Deus Ex, the live orchestral version, apparently, from the PS2 disc. The reason I played that is because I think between uh, Joel and me... Between Joel and me? Between me? Yeah, between Joel and me, the uh, I think Cyberpunk was really the most interesting one of the E3 yes. stuff, even though I am... It's because it's speculative, and as much as I am interested in Death Stranding, it's uh, there's still so much to know. And the remake, I feel Resident Evil Two remake, I feel like it's in good hands. I'll say I watched a couple minutes of the gameplay trailer or the gameplay demo, and I try, and then I turned it off, not because it was bad, but because I needed to keep it fresh. I don't want to be spoiled by anything. But somebody was posting something that I was looking at, and the um, the the ballistics in the game is frighteningly cool because you can really tear these zombies apart in really disgusting ways but like when you there's a shotgun you can grab and at a point blank range for a headshot instead of just like if you ever played Resident Evil 2 their heads just disappear in like a little pixelated mess and this one it, it like it almost digs this concave hole out so these flaps where the neck is kind of <laughs> flapping a little bit so there's body behind there's like, yeah there's the still head. body behind the little chunks and you can like creatively damage them in such a way so there's like feedback like i always call it dino damage you remember those uh, jurassic park toys where it's like oh you're playing and then like a chunk <laughs> oh, falls out yeah, of the t-rex yeah, yeah. i loved that but take the shoulder off yeah but so deus ex is the um as far as I'm concerned, is the cyberpunk game to beat as far as RPGs go. And even though it's, an, it's, a, it's a light RPG compared to what the pen and paper uh, tabletop origins of uh, cyberpunk is, if it, can, if it can rival Deus Ex, at least in terms of the cyberpunk feel to it, then it, it will succeed. But I think one is a little more serious than the other as far as I can tell. <laughs> Deus Ex is a little yeah. dour, but tons of fun anyway. So let's get into the normal part of the show. Joel, what have you been playing recently? Oh boy, have I been playing games. Yeah, it's it's really been picking up lately. Actually, today at lunch I brought in Azul. Mm-hmm. But we've talked enough about Azul. I well, how did it go? Great, yeah. I how many players? Uh, three players, which I think is, is right on the on the border. Four players gets a little crazy. Oh yeah. Um, in fact, I've only played the one four-player game, and that was that first game I played. Um, I accidentally only put out five factory tiles, so the game is mute. Uh, forget about <laughs> it. But uh, <laughs> taught it to John, taught it to Harry. They loved it. Yeah, uh, they're crazy about it. We're gonna play it again tomorrow. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Quick side note: I think there's a game out there that's getting a bit of buzz right now called Reef. But I think Reef is, if you were to put it next to after you played Azul, you'd say these games are very similar. But mm. I think the early buzz is Azul is still the king. So just if, any, if anyone has played Reef and can weigh in, let me know. But uh, yeah. Azul is still... Post in our Facebook group. Everyone likes it. Yeah, post in the Facebook group. Board, uh, Guelph Board Game. I was also going to mention that uh, we're going to try another one that's just friends of the show. We were talking about uh, maybe roping up all of our guests and putting them in place. Yeah, because it'd be nice to... Because we've got these... Some of these games are bigger. And some of them, I think, are not as casual. Let's just say... Not in, not in a derogatory sense, but Heavy. just like you, you can't just... Like what are you doing? Oh, you wanna you wanna play some Arkwright or something? Do you think Cuba maybe Libre the definition is whether your seatbelt uh, warning goes off when you put it in the passenger seat? <laughs> Joel's posting this this story from was it the Gloomhaven, the Gloomhaven Facebook group? Yeah. yeah, where somebody was saying, you know, you've got a, a game when it's like your car's yelling at you to put a seatbelt on when you just got the game <laughs> in the passenger seat. Yeah, it's got to be some kind of weight. There's a scale there. Or something. It's pretty cute. 
So anyway, you played Azul, went well, played of course. Played Azul, was great. But what I really want to talk about, and you're going to cringe maybe, but uh, Fog of Love was a fantastic two-player semi-co-op game. We've talked about this, I think, maybe not on the show, but I think yeah. you've, you've described it before, but I could be mixing it up with, like, and then we held hands because they both oh. have such flowery titles that I'm getting it mixed up. Yeah, I can see. And then we held hands was not well-liked uh-huh. by just about everybody I talked to except for maybe me. <laughs> it was so before you say anything is is and then we held hands is that the the emotion guessing game or is that fog of love so yeah and, the, and then we held hands you're trying to get the right emotions uh in order to i don't know succeed in your relationship or okay. something but you're not allowed to the the fun thing what i liked about and then we held hands is that you're not allowed to talk about the game you can say anything you want but you're not allowed to talk about your decisions in the game or anything in the game so it's like similar to the sort of Hanabi or uh, code name sort of thing, where it's like you you can't you have to you have to get the password, but you can't <laughs> say what the password is. You have to like link the the words and symbols together to get the exactly. And you could strip away the theme and play it just as anything else. And in that case, it's actually kind of a fun, just little puzzle that you're mm-hmm. both trying to work out, and it is fairly challenging. All right. So what describe Fog of Love then? What what do we do here? So Fog of Love is a completely different animal. Basically, what you're doing is first you uh, you just select cards to create a persona. Mm-hmm. And part of it is done by you, and part of it is actually done by your, uh, you can call them partner or opponent, whatever you want to call them, depending on your intentions. Yeah, what do you... <laughs> um, but basically, you start out, you pick your occupation out of three. Yeah. Uh, you pick traits, which are basically like, uh, let's say I need... Uh, three of one thing, two of another, and and f- and like a cumulative five for both of us of uh, selfishness or some some trait like that. So you pick three traits, and those are basically your goals for the game. So that's going to give you direction as far as what decisions you make, mm-hmm. which gets really tricky, and I'll get into that in a second. But sure. um, you pick your traits, so you pick your goals, you pick your occupation, and then your opponent picks features and features uh they get five and they pick three and they give them to you and when they give them to you they're supposed to say something like this is what i like about you and they're just all over the place you know just a bunch of ridiculous cards so is is each card you're supposed to put some say something about or is it just like you hand over a bunch that are like linked together and you say no no you, you you do each card one at a time back and forth to each other and the goal in that is to get the creative juices flowing as far as thinking about what that person is because you're trying to separate yourself from the character that you're creating. And it's it's really what it comes down to is it's a role-playing game. Okay. Uh, that's That's been put into this mechanism, which is this big board and a lot of very... Um, like clean looking, you know, like kind of like the Google approach where there's nothing on the screen. Yeah. Uh, clean looking uh, tiles, so just like a, a whole card with just a single word on it, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but anyway, you give each other these traits, you describe them, and you don't have to describe them, but if you really want to, you can. Uh, so, say for example, I give you uh, cool sneakers, and I say, yeah, when I met you, uh, these sneakers really blew me away. They were they were pretty 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 fly okay who knows i don't know yeah but anyway so once you've done creating this um these two personas that's when the game begins the game begins by you select a story and i hate to say it but there's a lot of uh 
sort of booster pack looking openable stories in this game and it comes with four of them and i'm uh-huh. sure there's a lot more coming yeah yeah you know how it is um i don't know was fog of love a kickstarter uh, if it was it just like flew under my radar no idea where it came from no idea but it is really it is really picking up steam it's hot right now everybody's asking about it really uh yeah and and that's where it kind of got my attention was um people started asking about fog of love back when i was working in in the boardroom and since then you know there's i've gone into stores and they would be like oh yeah we're sold out and i was looking to buy it myself i wanted to play it in a yeah. game cafe try it out but nobody first. has it but uh basically I, I convinced my friend in kitchener last time we went to a game cafe to buy it themselves <laughs> that's the classic <laughs> move where you it's like well maybe you should buy it yeah <laughs> can i borrow so it the perfect way for me to try it <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. so yeah anyway i went out to kitchener and we played it in a coffee shop yeah and um <laughs> it was a ton of fun so the, the the game goes on from chapter to chapter there's usually three chapters uh first one in the intro game everything's kind of light and fun so you've got these decisions and you've got these really heavy kind of splendor like chips or poker chips uh a to d and you put them down face down you both put them fi- face down usually if you've picked the right or sorry if you pick the same decision and you agree you'll get some bonus points so you've got this kind of satisfaction mac uh, uh chart and you're you're going up from like say you start at 10 you get, try to get up to 40 or something okay like that. uh, and that's just how happy you are uh, <laughs> or your character is or whatever yeah. uh, if you don't match sometimes you're not supposed to match it all depends on the question so it's all these hypotheticals jack so like say for example i would say um, listen, uh, I really want you to get a tattoo with my name on it. <laughs> and then the other person has to make a decision. In that case, you're not involved. You're asking them. And if they say yes, uh, they'll get something. So like, hold on. Uh, it, I'm, I'm really confused about where the game is here because I'm hearing a lot of like <laughs> questions and like handing cards to people. But what's the you've got these stories and this you're you're is there one person who has a story or both people have a story and they've got like they've got their own yeah. thing yeah so sorry the story is just comes up and explains how many cards to draw mm-hmm. and where the cards which deck of cards will come from okay but these these are events that i'm describing and these events are actually different from the story in that every each player gets five of them like a hand of five mm-hmm. and then you take turns picking one until maybe six have been played mm-hmm and then you move on to the next chapter. So you'll play maybe 18 in the whole game. But it'll be something like uh, uh, your aunt is coming to town and she, um, you know, made a post about you that's really nasty. How do you respond? <laughs> and so what, what's the purpose of the response, though? What's uh, Well, you either one of you chooses or both you choose or sometimes there's like secrets that you so it tells you like who can respond or who's Uh, supposed to participate yeah and then depending on what you put down there's an outcome so when you say what what would i put down what are my options this is one of the cards for my hand it's just the a to b right there on the card the Uh, event is played there's four options there yeah and then you've got the chips a to b or a to d and you put them face down and then at the same time flip and and then you, based on this, like if if people picked B, then flip over this card, or what is it? No, it's just if uh, you'll gain or lose a certain amount of satisfaction, mm-hmm. and you'll gain and lose rankings on these five traits. Okay, and the traits are like uh, curiosity versus um, 
introverted or something like that. And you're that. aiming for a certain like yeah, threshold? Yeah, so what you've got in front of you is a secret trait. Those are your goals. So say you really want five cumulative selfishness. Mm-hmm. You'll put down cards that move you towards uh, adding selfish attributes to your to your character. Um, it all sounds like the functionality of the game whatever doesn't matter because what really matters is when you get these events always you got to think about it and you have this internal battle at least i have this internal battle in me which is a what would i pick Mm -hmm. what do i want right and then two what would my character pick because you're supposed to be role playing and then three you know what will help me in the game and usually what will help me in the game or like trying to achieve a successful outcome of this (laughs) <laughs> you know this silly game is the least important okay i think the real battle is between um if i were to encounter this uh situation in real life what would i do and then also um what would my made-up person do so to me what i'm walking away from with this based on your description is that it, it it's now this is a broad stroke <laughs> i'm about to paint here but it's it seems to me close to telestrations and that the points yes. are not the point. <laughs> Do no, you, you're not trying to win. We lost one, we won one, and both of them were fun experiences. So, it, it, But it's almost closer to one of these. Now, do you remember when we were at uh, Victoria's birthday party? And I, I don't know if you had shown up yet or not, but some friends of hers brought out this card game, and it was basically just like a situation, like it, it, something pulled that would – what would you do in this yeah. thing? And you kind of went around the room asking someone. The, the whole point of the card was supposed to be something outlandish that make you – got to put your foot down. Some, you, can't, you can't sit on the fence <laughs> on these things. Now, yeah. it, to me, it sounds like the Fog of Love is more of like relationship-based questions and yeah. trying to – I accidentally just, killed your dog. What do you do? <laughs> what are you going to do? That's, that's a tough one. Yeah. But, so it, but that's the cool thing is there's yeah. three deck there's three decks and you're right it's just that but um there's a fun or sorry it's a sweet deck it's the first deck mm-hmm. very like uh, Asian theme uh, <laughs> term for it sweet deck <laughs> yeah, yeah um but that's all fun things yeah and the way the intro game goes is really fun because it goes from sweet to serious so yeah. the serious deck is really heavy questions like. Uh, uh, do you want to move in together? And, <laughs> you know, uh, what color should our curtains be? And oh. how, one, one of my favorites, what state should the toilet be in? And this was a, you know, a real question where it's like, I know, I know my answer, well, what but do, everybody what has an answer. No, no, there's <laughs> only one answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To me. <laughs> and that's both down. <laughs> it's like the, always you were, ra- I was raised with someone say painfully strict, but I think very good. You, you don't stare into a toilet bowl. No. You never. You don't want that open. You don't look at the water. And it's one thing, like Big Lebowski. Obviously, when he said, (laughs) "It's like, do I look like I live with a woman?" Man, he slams his toilet seat down because it's clear he just leaves it up the whole time. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. It gives you every option, and that's the whole question. It's just you know, you know, top up, bottom down, uh, both up, both down. Yeah. What more do you need? And if you leave them all up, Larry David's going to fall into it in the evening too. So. Anyway, well, so you know, both up is a, is a you're gonna you're gonna cause a fight. There's gonna be issues. <laughs> I, if I see it, just be just constant. Um, so, fog of love. What's it retail for? Just out of curiosity, because it's sounding very overproduced. Forty five. Not bad. Bucks. Not bad. Not bad. It's a lot of stuff. It's uh, it's definitely not a rip off. Excellent. So, forty five bucks. You're getting a lot of this. The now, I'm getting worried though when you're talking about these stories and yeah. how many of these events can like 
expansions are integrated into the tutorial. Like, you yeah. know that expansions are coming. And it's basically just more stories because that's the thing. That's If I'm going to be critical of this game, one of the weakest points is uh, even through our second play, we started coming up with duplicate situations. Which is and when re- you put it down a second time, it's... It's, it's gone. Like, there's hey, nothing. We've already yeah, encountered yeah. this. Who we, cares? We know what we did last time. Yeah. Well, but then you're supposed to be like, well, what's my character think? Up? What's yeah, my... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's a weakness for sure. But what would would you endorse it? Would you say uh, who who should... A, should you pick this up, or is this something only played at a cafe? B, if you're going to pick it up, who will this appeal to? Um, and this is nothing against the game, but I would never play this game. It sounds yep. like... <laughs> well, my friend Sonali probably put it best, and she said, I want to play this game with everybody I want to have a relationship with. <laughs> she, she meets someone, she's going to like put them through the fog of love test, I guess. <laughs> no, food chain magnets, and that's, the test. <laughs> I would endorse any, any couple to buy it. If, yeah. you're a, if you're a gaming couple, buy Give it, you'll have a lot of fun with it. You'll get your 40 bucks worth. If you really don't want to spend the money, play it at a game cafe. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely try the game, though. I, I think I had a ton of fun, and I walked away from it thinking, man, I want to know what the rest of the cards are. I want to open the rest of those packs and play the other sets. So it almost has this legacy element to it that you uh, want to like crack, <laughs> keep going for. Yeah, there's a ton of other stories out there. But So given an arbitrary rating. Um, I'll give it... Um, Let's give it three uh, Valentine Hearts candies out of five. Very nice. It's, so it works out to a 60% or a C plus. Dude, yeah. it's... Yeah, I mean, it's not a great game, and as a game, it's not a ton of fun, but... It Did it accomplish what if, it set it to do? Yeah, though? if somebody created a deck of situational questions and just dropped them down and, and you got to pick A to D, I would have had just as much fun. Interesting. So I wonder if this might be something where maybe if you played it enough, it start to get competitive. So you turn it into an actual game. So like initially, it turns into it's just an experience generator. But the second time, not second time, like the twentieth time you play, it, God forbid, you're sitting there and you're like, okay, now I'm wi- I'm out. The, I'm in it to win it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I never ever made a decision based off of what my goals were, and yeah. uh, you know, whatever. And it's a two player game. Yeah. Interesting. I'm seeing a lot more two-player games out there, which makes me very happy. Because yeah. that's well, most... it's a couple-focused yeah, yeah. two-player game, right? There's a lot of gaming couples out there. Fog of Love, pick it up at your local retailer, the Joel Bryant Brewer. I'm going to ask you two <laughs> questions, Jack, yeah. just to move on. Endorsement. Uh, first of all, how's God of War going? And two, what have you been playing lately? God of War is it is a very neat game, and I don't know if I was talking on the show or not about this, but you can see where how video games cost hundreds of millions of dollars when you play it because it's just it's beautiful, well acted, and the, the assets and the motion capture and the voicing, all of it comes into a nice package. But I may have said already, so I'm not going to dwell on that. It is a hard game. They put a lot of stuff out there that you're not intended unless you're cheesing it or you're insanely good and patient to accomplish your first time. You're supposed mm-hmm. to come back to it after you... These are achievements? They're achievements. It, it's weird. I really side don't care. Quests. They're side quests, but you get rewards for them. And the, the thing is that you get these rare materials and mm-hmm. you get basically, we'll call them recipes for all intents and purposes that you can take to a blacksmith and you can turn into really cool items. But in order to get them, like for example, there's these monsters out in the wilderness and they're usually are on these spots um, that what what the game does, which is really cool, but I like and dislike at the same time, is that you start off and you're, you're con- there's a lot of canoeing in this game. You and your boy. 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 And you, you just canoe around in this lake. 
and there's this world serpent, which is really neat, really cool, well done, and he's always in the water. But as you go through the game, the world serpent comes out of the water more and more, and as he does, the water level recedes and opens up new spaces and towers that uh, have new areas on them. So there's always new stuff. But you end up, if you have the, the gaming OCD like I do, in, which killed me in The Witcher, is that every time something changes, all right, let's go check everything all over uh. again and see what happened here. <laughs> so there's these times when you're kind of like canoeing all over the place and double-checking things. But the game is good like that because there's usually so rewards, rewards for it. You. Okay. As opposed to some, like, uh, this is super nerdy reference, but there are certain Japanese visual novels where something you're, you're sitting there and you're doing nothing. And then sometimes, like, there'll be one change and now you have to go through every location again just to figure out what changed enough for you to proceed in the story. Hmm. Whereas this game, there's always giving you something. There's always stuff to see. Japanese literature novels. Did you ever play Doki Doki Literature Club? No, I've got it. I swear, I've got the icon sitting on my desktop, and I just haven't done it. But we'll talk about that next time. But anyway, God of War is very good. It's very. It's a lot more challenging than I thought it would be. Yeah. And I'm glad I was tempted when I was starting the game. I was like, I'll put this on hard. Let's so call it. The last it a day. couple of games have all been linear. This is starting to sound a bit like an open world. Yes, and that's it. So I think maybe. And again, like I was saying last week, I have no connection to the series. I don't know what it's like, but it is much more open world than this because mm. you can choose where you want to go. And the game opens up nicely after you, and you can still see stuff. And this kind of triggers me a little bit is that you see chests that are like wrapped in weird things or like obviously blocked with an ability that you haven't earned yet. So there's this sort of like, well, remember, put a note down, got to come back here later. So, which can be a little tedious at times, but it's not required. It's all on me. I'm admitting it is my fault, but you put (laughs) it there and now I have to go back and get it. You made me see it. You, you showed it to me so early and then I have to come back and take care of it. So there's that. And anyway, there are these tough monsters that are called travelers and they just leave you alone unless you start a fight with them. And then they're brutal. They're very, very tough. And like I was saying, you can cheese them if you want, but in general, it's uh, it's not worth your time. So you got to get more powerful, craft better gear, and come back and do stuff. Um, but as far as board gaming goes, we don't have too much time left. I'm just going to touch on it briefly. Is that um, I played Istanbul again last night. Nice. But I threw in the Mocha expansion because I'm finding the base game of Istanbul is starting to become too linear and too sort of rote. Yeah. It gets so tight. And- it gets too tight, and um, that's not to say that Mocha isn't. I only, I've only played. This would be the second time I've played it, mm-hmm. but immediately you feel more open and you've got more things available to you and it also adds another three tiles to the board so now you're on a four by five Hmm. or a five by four and so the board is way bigger you've got new powers to grab and the coffee is so powerful but it's difficult to acquire unless you've got you just it really just kind of kicks the game into high gear and um if you've got a bit of ap like i do it can be a little frustrating at times because all of a sudden you just too many choices 